We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Sue Larson, president of the Registrars of Voters Association of Connecticut, also the Democratic Registrar in the town of South Windsor. Good morning to you. Good morning. We are two days away from the midterms. What have registrars across Connecticut been doing to prepare? We've been doing an awful lot to uh, prepare for this. We've gotten all of our uh, tabulators tested and ready to go. We got all of our poll workers, and they all went through um, training. We've been updating our voter list and making sure that everyone who attempted to register to vote um, got registered in our uh, our voter registration system. Um, we're preparing workers for um, what we call Election Day Registration, EDR. So we've done a lot of training, a lot of prepping, and um, we're ready to go. Are the procedures any different this year given concerns about election meddling? We've just been uh, working with the Secretary of the State's office, and they've been sending us information of types of things to look for and watch out for and who to call if we um, start spotting problems that may be occurring in our uh, in our systems, the Connecticut voter registration system, or even in the polling places. Talk about some of the, the safeguards in place. We have a decentralized system of voting in Connecticut, and that's by design. Yes, we were very lucky that when we were flipping from lever uh, machines to a new voting form that we went with a tabulator uh, system that is a paper ballot that runs through a tabulator and it is not connected to any internet form. Um, it is a standalone system. So it makes it um, much more um, transparent being with the um, the paper ballot and also being a standalone is not um, connected to the any hacking uh, because it's not an internet-based uh, system. So you go to your polling place to vote, you fill out the ballot, and you put it through the, the digital scanner, but if there's any question about the tally or if there's a malfunction, there's always that paper ballot that can go back and be counted. That is correct. If, there, if we spot any problems, we've got the paper ballots to um, to redo um, the um, the election through another uh, a functioning uh, tabulator. So we're very lucky there. Do you miss the old lever machines, or are you glad they're gone? I don't miss the lever machines, although a lot of people do. And the reason I say that is because in an election. If something happens to the lever machine, we won't know until the um, the that night when we go to the back of the um, the lever machine and we spot, you know, we only, for example, um, we only have a hundred votes on there, and you've got a thousand people that voted. We wouldn't know that till the end of the night. So, but with the tabulator, we have. The checkers that um, know how many people have gone um, come through. You have the number um, number of ballots that are going through the tabulator, and you can check that every so often and say, okay, well, we've had 
um, 100 people come through that have been checked in. We have 98 people that have put their ballot through, and you see two people off to the side filling out their ballots. You know you're in the right area. You know there's not a problem. So we're, we're, uh, we're very proud of the fact that we've gone with this kind of system. And no, I don't miss the, top, um, the lever machines for that reason. You also have backup equipment ready to go if there is some sort of failure. Oh, definitely. All of us um, test two tabulators. So if one goes down, the other one is immediately able to be sent off to a um, to the polling location. So it's Sunday. Election Day is two days away. Tell us what happens between now and then. A lot of logistics, I'm guessing. Oh, sure. We're getting all of our polling locations ready to go. We have, um, you know, I, different towns do different things. But like, if I'll give an example in South Windsor, we're going to be getting all of our food and all of our supplies in boxes ready to go to the um, the polling place. Um, there's also um, the ability for people that are within certain categories to still come in on Monday. Um, if you just turned 18 between October 30th and um, and November 5th, if you um, just moved into town between that time frame, um, if you have challenges, if you are in the military, those are the kinds of thing you know situations where you can still come to the um, to the registrar's office and register on the fifth. Um, we're also getting ready for election day um, registration, getting um, the location for that all set up because it's not a polling place, but it still has the tabulator, the AVS machine, um, all of that kind of um, you know um, setup that we have to do. To be clear, the the voter registration deadline has already passed. It was the 30th of October. It was October. the 30th for um, people to go to the polls, yes. But you can vote on Election Day, but that is not at your polling place. It's most likely at Town or City Hall. Correct. It's near where the registrar's office um, is located. So how will that occur on Election Day? What do you need to bring if you are doing same-day registration? You need to bring identification and you need to prove residency. Unlike um, going to the polls, where all you have to do is show identification to prove who you are, when you're going for Election Day registration, you have to prove who you are and you have to prove your residency. So I would suggest that if you're coming in on, on um, uh, to do Election Day registration, um, if your driver's license already has your residence on there, you're going to be um, good to go. But if it doesn't, then I would bring a piece of mail that shows your residency, an old bill, um, um, a bank statement, that kind of thing that is relatively um, new. You don't want to take it from two years ago, but to show that you are now residing in your new town. Now, on election night, when you start counting the ballots, are the ballots that are received at election day registration handled any differently than the ballots at normal polling places? No, they're run through the um, the tabulator the same way um, as your as in an actual polling location, and they'd be hand counted the same way as if they were in a, a polling location. And there are absentee ballots as well. That's true. We have absentee ballots that are counted on election day. So after all the ballots are counted locally, maybe at the the voting district level, what happens to that information? Where does it go? Um. You, well. 
the individual moderators for all your different polling places would then bring back to the uh, registrars um, the, the results of the tabulator and any hand counts. Those would be then um, loaded into what we call the election management system, the EMS, and transferred to the state of Connecticut, so the secretary of the state's office. So they can get at least the preliminary numbers um, as to what happened all through the state of Connecticut. Those numbers aren't finalized, though, for some time, correct? Correct, for about 72 hours. Now, there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to making sure everyone is able to vote and then counting the the ballots once the voting has occurred. Tell us how the registrars of voters across the state interface with the Secretary of the State's office. Well, on Election Day, um, if, if, if anything happens that's unique or a problem comes up, our first um, um, the first one we're going to call is going to be the Secretary of the State's office because they are in charge of making sure all the statutes are followed, um, that we're doing everything uh, according to law. So when there's a question and we're not sure, that's who we call. And then on the opposite side, if a voter calls up and, and says that, um, you know, I'm seeing um, – something wrong here, whatever the situation happens to be, then the secretary of the state's office will call us up or send someone out to that polling location to see what's really going on and straighten out the situation. So we're working together hand in hand um, to make sure that there are any problems, they get straightened out as quickly as possible so things keep running smoothly. Thinking back to 2010 in Bridgeport where they ran out of ballots in the, the governor's race, how do you figure how many ballots you should have on hand? Well, since that time happened, we now have um, to file um, a ballot certification form that uh, we sent to the, um, the state of Connecticut, that uh, the secretary of the state's office. And basically, that's uh, telling them how many ballots we're ordering and a historical background to make sure that we're not under ordering. So if the secretary of the state's office says, no, you um, you need to order 20 percent more, then that's happening beforehand. But there's always the situation where something happens and it becomes a, a big issue and they weren't prepared for it. Um, we started talking about the fact that, OK, um, former Vice President Joe Biden is going to be in Hartford on the I think he was there on the. Let me see, the 26th, that Friday. Okay, all of a sudden, they could be seeing that, um, oh, there's going to be a spike in uh, in voting, uh, but our ballots have already been ordered. So in our emergency plan that we've um, every um, town and city has put together, part of that is the ability to do paper ballots. Um, paper, literally, not that won't go through the tabulator, but they will be hand counted. So if we start to see that our numbers are really low as far as the number of ballots in a polling place, we can make up paper ballots and they will be counted, just hand counted instead of being put through the tabulator. So we don't see a, 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 um, an issue where a voter cannot vote. We will make sure that they vote. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We're talking to Sue Larson, president of the Registrars of Voters Association of Connecticut, also the Democratic registrar in the town of South Windsor. 
Talk a little more about the ballot that people will see when they head into the polling places on Tuesday. I know it's going to vary from town to town, even from voting district to voting district within a town. But generally, what will it look like? Well, this one's going to be kind of unique in in the sense that you're right. It's going to be very, very different because this year's ballot has, um, of course, you've got your governor's race, your um, U.S. senator, your... um, congressional districts. You're going to have your state senator, your state representative. Um, Some ballots will have a um, um, judge of probate. Some are going to have a registrar of voters. We're going to have two constitutional questions. And then every town has their own um, referendum questions that they may or may not be putting on this ballot. For example, I know South Windsor has two referendum uh, questions. Um, Tolland has eight. So every town is going to be slightly different. But again, most of those offices that I was talking about, the beginning ones, you know, from governor through... the your state rep you know we also have on there the treasurer secretary of the state um attorney general uh comptroller treasurer um all those positions everybody's going to have those but it's the unique races that um such as judge of probate and registrar voters those are the ones that are going to be a little different with such a lengthy ballot is there any concern that voters might say i've started this but (laughs) Will I get all the way through? I mean, you you can't just pick a party and and vote for that party. You have to go through every race, correct? Correct. We no longer have the lever system where you just did party line. Um, No, I don't think it's going to be that bad because I think most people are used to their municipal elections. And when you have municipal elections, you're voting for two of four, um, seven of uh, 12, you know, th- those ba- those ballots are long. And it's a pain and, to figure out who won at the end with majority party and minority party, right? <laughs> well, the, thank goodness for the tabulator. They do it for us. <laughs> Talk a little more about uh, election day and say you're, you're, you've got your ballot, you're at the booth and maybe the, the pen is out of ink or you encounter some sort of other problem. Who do you turn to at that point? Moderator. Just go directly over to your moderator, say, you know, this um, this privacy booth no longer has a working pen. They'll hand you one and you'll be all set. We have all those supplies there. And tell us what are do's and don'ts at the polling place. Is there anything you can't wear or, you know, things you can't hold like signs within a certain distance from the polling place? After you've gotten into the 75-foot area in the uh, of the polling place, that's where all politicking ends. So you cannot wear a T-shirt that um, or a hat that has any of the candidates on there. Um, for example, you know if you come in with um, a Lamont shirt or a um, um, Stefanowski shirt. No, you're going to be asked to either um, take it off or be handed maybe a jacket or something to put over that. You can't come in with walk cards that are visible, um, hats or pens or anything that shows anything from the candidates. Um, uh, You can wear Make America Great Again um, hats if you have one of those because President Trump is not on the ballot. So that kind of stuff, yes, you can. Um, but again, that 75 foot area is where all politicking stops and, and nothing in the polling place with any of that on there.
and the media is allowed access to polling places, which we always seem to have an issue with at, at least one location on Election Day. Well, yes, you, you, you're more than welcome to go in as long as you're not disrupting the process. Um, but you cannot talk to the voters inside um, the 75-foot area. So even though I know this tends to be an issue with, um, with some in the press, they want to catch you as you're going out the door. How did you vote? Why did you vote that way? Well, if that door happens to be within the 75-foot area, no, you can't reach them there. You're going to have to go further outside to catch them. And the reason for that is a lot of um, polling areas have their exit and entrance doors right next to each other. So if you've got a line of people trying to get into the polling area and you're doing an exit interview, you could very well be influencing the people as they're walking in. So that's why we say please on the outside the 75 foot area. Does that rule also apply to those taking exit polls? Yes, yes. Definitely. Over the years, what is the most interesting polling place story that you can recall in terms of maybe someone bringing something or doing something within that 75-foot range they weren't supposed to? Well, there really aren't any really what I call interesting stories, but the, you know, people tend to come in with the the t-shirts from their favorite people. Um, so it happens all the time. There's there's nothing uh, unique about it. We, we just deal with it on a regular basis. We've been hearing from the Secretary of the State's office that there has really been a, a surge in voter registrations going back to the 2016 elections. Is that something that registrars across the state have been experiencing as well? Oh, definitely. Um, now that we have uh, DMV um, registration and online registration, our, our numbers have pretty much been staying pretty consistent because prior to that you would see a rush of um of registrations right around um like a presidential election and then all of a sudden the the numbers go down 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 and then spike right up um with the um with the next presidential election and that's not happening we're pretty much um pretty much staying pretty close to where we've been going from a presidential to a presidential do you think that is all because of motor voter or do you think there are other factors at play as well i think most of it is because of um, the online registration with um, the department of motor vehicles they're they're constantly reminding people about um, registering to vote and um, make having people sign no i'm already registered or i'm not interested um, in in registering but other than but so that most people are registering and they're making sure they're registered. So sometimes we're getting a lot of duplicates, people that have already registered, but just want to make sure they're registered because DMV is saying, well, you got to do this. So, you know, it, we're, we're, um, we're, we're seeing a stability to the voter registration system now that DMV is, is um, uh, doing a lot of it. After the ballots are cast and the votes are counted, your job doesn't end, though, does it? In some communities, there are recounts by law correct yes we'll be looking to see if there's going to be any recounts um across the state we're keeping our fingers crossed there aren't any but it it usually happens somewhere that the votes are really close together and farther down the road the secretary of the state's office actually has to do an audit and i believe they do some sort of lottery to to pick certain voting districts where there there are recounts at random 
Right. We have um, 5% of the districts across the state are selected to do an audit, uh, usually uh, about two weeks after the, um, after the election is over. So when do registrars get to take a breather? December. <laughs> December is going to be quiet, and we'll 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 have time to clean up um, everything from the election. Make sure that all of our equipment is back in place. Um, all of the voter registration information and stuff is cleaned up, and everything's filed and put away. We've we'll be doing our who voted uh, list to make sure that the state um, has in their system all the people that voted. But at least we'll at that point in time we'll be taking a breather. It'll be our normal hours. The Secretary of the State's office recently recently received federal funding to basically shore up the the state's election system. Some of that money is going to be used to get used voting equipment because they don't make it new anymore, at least the equipment that Connecticut uses. Have you found that the equipment generally holds up pretty well? Well, um, I have to take a step back on that because, yes, there is new equipment out there, very similar to what we have. Massachusetts has it. But the state of Connecticut right now cannot afford brand new equipment. We, you know, It'd be an ideal world where we would say, okay, let's go out and get brand new equipment. So what they've done is gone and gotten um, equipment that, yes, it's used, but it's being refurbished by uh, and certified by um, LHS, which is the company that we use. Sure. So it's not so, like they're buying it off eBay or anything. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, they're not. And, and like I said, it's all being certified. So... The equipment does last quite a while, but it's it's not um, you know it it's getting to the point where all of us are starting to to hear that rumble in the machine that uh, it's aging aging out. With the registrars of voter system in Connecticut, every town has a Democratic registrar and a Republican registrar. So if I'm going in to register to vote. Can I only go to you if I'm a Democrat and only go to your counterpart if I'm a Republican? Does it matter at that level? Once once you're in your office, the hat Democrat or the hat Republican, or in some towns there is a third hat in there, um, they come off and we service everybody. Um, they're residents of our town and that's, that's who we service is the, the residents of our town. And how you are elected varies from town to town, doesn't it? Some are on the ballot this year, in fact, but you were not. Cor- correct. Every town has um, does it slightly different. There's there's some of us that are um, every four years on a presidential ballot, every four years on a governor's, and then there's um, some towns that are every two years. And tell us about the role and maybe a little of the history of the Registrars of Voters Association of Connecticut. How did you get started, and, and is it the primary function to to really just bounce ideas off of each other or to advocate for what you want as a, as a group? Well, we're well over 50 years old, um, servicing all the, um, the registrar of voters in, um, throughout the state. Um, we're mainly education. So we have conferences twice a, uh, twice a year to make sure that all of us are being trained and know the latest um, um, 
right, well, statutes that come through um, from the sec- you know through the le- state legislature. Um, we go over new equipment. We have speakers that come in that talk to us from other states. That how do other states do things, and could we be doing things better? And we also have a legislative piece. Um, we're the front line, and so when we see things going wrong, then or things that we can be doing better, then we come up with legislative um, ideas and concepts. We bring them to the GAE committee, and from there, we you know we'll 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 follow through on any legislative action. Government so, administration and elections committee. That's correct. Well, she is Sue Larson, president of the Registrars of Voters Association of Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hope everything goes well on Tuesday. I'm sure it will. We've got some great people out there. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.